everyone is talking about Bill C-367, and they should because it's deeply concerning, but Bill C-367 is only the appetizer. It's the garlic bread with cheese before the main course. The entree is Bill C-63, the Online Harms Act, which has been in the works for at least five years. Elected officials have something to say about it. Other media outlets have something to say about it. And of course, we're going to let you know what we have to say about it as well. This is a very important episode as the potential passing of this bill represents what we're going to call a trajectory-altering moment in the history of Canada when I think we more officially plunge into 1984 being a reality in our country. Psalm chapter 56 verses 1 to 4 says this, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? It's February 29th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is Liberty Dispatch. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. As always, our show is brought to you in partnership between Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week. LCC exists to proclaim Christ's justice and righteousness and to to defend those who stand there for, and Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. You can reach out to us if you would like to talk to us about all the various things that are going on. And there are many uh, and very important uh, news updates here in Canada. You can reach out to us at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We're trying to keep the intro news as short as possible. But, Andrew, we do have a special announcement that does need to take up time because it's extremely important. So why don't you walk us through this big announcement coming from Liberty Coalition Canada? Yeah, we're going to be talking about this probably every episode for the next several months. And I am thrilled to announce our first ever LCC run conference. We are calling it the Politics in the Pulpit Conference. And if that name triggers you, it should. The Politics in the Pulpit Conference. This is a one-day event that will be taking place at three different cities in Canada. So we're going to be in Weston, Nova Scotia on April 20th, in Ingersoll, Ontario on May the 4th, and New Westminster, British Columbia on May 25th. So three different cities, three different days, but the same conference happening across the country to give Canadians all over the country an opportunity to attend one of the conferences. The point of this conference is to equip churches and Christians to think biblically about political and cultural engagement, which is our responsibility before God. So the speakers at the conference will include the local church pastor at each location, That's Marty Elson in Weston, Nate Wright in Ingersoll, and Paul Dirks in New Westminster. I will also be speaking, as well as David Haskell. He's a Laurier professor and a friend of LCC. 
You can register now. Registration is live and spots are quite limited. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash politics in the pulpit and come out to one or if you're adventurous, more of the locations. If you feel like traveling across the country with us, that's totally allowed. Tickets are $30 and they include lunch except for the Western Nova Scotia event. That one will be free, which is amazing. But $30 is also a pretty amazing price for this conference. There will be some wonderful vendors there who will be ready to give you ample opportunities to get involved in politics and in activism in your city with your church. Now you might be thinking whether you can attend or not, I want to financially support this conference. You might be thinking this is the first time a truly conservative Christian organization has run a conference specifically focused on equipping Christians to engage in politics and culture for the glory of God and the good of our country. And you're right, to my knowledge, this is the first of its kind in our country. So if that's you and you want to help support this conference by donating, so covering the cost of things like food, plane tickets, etc., you can email us at churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com and we'll direct you how you can be donating specifically to the costs of this conference to see it happen. We would appreciate any help in making this happen because, again, this is the first of its kind in our country. So once more, register today and secure your spot at the Politics in the Pulpit Conference. That's libertycoalitioncanada.com slash politics in the pulpit. Three locations to choose from. I can't wait to see you there. I'm very excited to be visiting with super these brothers cool. across the country. Yeah, it's going to be neat. cool. Yeah, I, so, I'm, I'm excited about the conference and, you know, hopefully I'll be able to attend one or more events as well and just get to fellowship with a lot of our listeners, get to talk about the uh, these exceedingly important issues and hopefully get to provide you all with a proper biblical perspective on the relationship between church and state and the the role of the church in the political uh, life of our nation. Um, something that our forefathers understood very well, but we took for granted and then we forgot <laughs> as Canadians to the de detriment, not only of the church in Canada, but also mm -hmm. um, the state, because as we've said um, over and over again on the pro program, all civic society rests on religious presuppositions and without Christ, it's chaos. And that's what we're experiencing as a nation. So we're hoping for the, the love of our neighbor, the betterment mm -hmm. of our nation, that by having conferences like this, by having you participate in them, we can, um, you know, see prosperity and freedom once again flourish in our nation. So yeah. definitely it's not gonna check be, that and out. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be like some overly heady, high level theological type conference. Although there will be significant unpacking of the scriptures and teaching what the, what the word of God has to say about this. Mm -hmm. But really the main, the main thrust of this conference is to offer much practical application so whether that's, here's ways you can be involved. Here's what you can do practically across all le levels. And the vendors that are going to be there, the people who will be set up outside, will be the sort of people where you can go up to them 
you can write your name and phone number on a piece of paper and you very quickly will be given opportunities to do the sort of thing that we'll be talking about in the main sessions. You can go out, you can get engaged in some form of politics in some level, in activism, in kind of real biblical justice issues. And then, you know, it'll wrap up with the Q&A as well. So an opportunity to field some questions. I'm very excited Amen. about this. We've been working on this for a while. So hurry up and register. There's anywhere from two to 300 spots available per location. So you're going to want to register soon and lock up your space. You'll also notice that I am wearing some wonderful beautiful. swag here. Wow. What a beautiful this is logo. A gift. This is a gift from our friends over <laughs> at Resistance Coffee. And we say with them that uh, the burnt coffee is gross and bitter. But you know what else is bitter and maybe even more bitter? Drinking coffee you purchase from people who hate you and your way of life. Stop buying coffee from people who hate you. It's foolish. Instead, you should buy your coffee from Resistance Coffee, roasting delicious fuel for freedom. Maybe you can try some Mischief Makers, a custom blended medium roast for the dissidents and prisoners of conscience. Or how about Home and Hearth, a single origin light roast for all those who remind us of what we're fighting for. Head over to resistancecoffee.com today. We are thrilled to partner with Resistance Coffee and offer our listeners and supporters 10% off of your orders at checkout. So you should go buy coffee and merch from them anyways. But if you need even more of a reason, you can get 10% off your total order by using the promo code LIBERTY10. That's mm -hmm. the word LIBERTY and the number 10, resistancecoffee.com. Use the promo code LIBERTY10. Get fueled for the resistance. Go buy some good coffee and help support wonderful Christians making a, a good difference in Canada and in the culture. Now, Andrew, just a point of clarification. Is the Liberty 10 promo code only good for the first purchase or is oh, that good nope. for every purchase? It is It is good in perpetuity. Ooh, so you can keep using excellent. that. I know. So it's not just a one-shot deal. You can keep using that, that promo code Liberty 10 and you will get 10% off. So go buy lots and lots of We're coffee. We're putting money in your pocket by listening yes. to this show, people. Okay? And as more as more <laughs> stuff comes out, so you want to check regularly because as more stuff comes out, like, ooh, that's a nice new shirt. Ooh, mm -hmm. that's some nice new swag. So head over there. And You're going to want to, you want to, we want to buy their coffee. It's really and good. And just a note too, like we've been promoting Bitcoin through our friends at Bull Bitcoin forever. If you had got on that train and listened to us and didn't follow our idiot prime minister's advice a long time ago, you'd be thumbs up, ready to go, ready to party um, <laughs> because Bitcoin's through the roof right now. But that's beside the through point, the roof. Andrew. <laughs> through the roof. We have important the... stuff to cover. Yes. So we better oh, yes. jump this is, right into it. This is a big episode. It. This is Huge. a big episode. So last week, last week we touched on Bill C-367. Indeed. We were on, on our episode on Thursday, and we thought it would be helpful today to go much deeper into the bill itself and also the other bit of legislation we'll look at later. And there are really three reasons why I think we need to drill down on Bill C-367 to understand it within its broader Canadian legislative context. First, everyone seems to be discussing it. So it's currently on everyone's mind. 
So it warrants a little bit of a deeper look because people are thinking about this. Second, many people are actually misrepresenting the bill and what they're doing is they're conflating its actual wording and the effect with how people think it will be used. Now, I agree with many people on how this piece of legislation will be used, but we need to be clear about what the bill is and what the bill is not, because we need to be honest and clear because these honor the Lord. So we want to be clear about what the bill is separate from how we think it's going to be used and not say that the two definitionally are the same because they're not. Third reason is this. Lots of people are freaking out about the bill and they're really, really worried about its implication. And while I agree that I don't think it looks particularly good for many Canadians as this becomes law, especially in light of the Online Harms Act, which we're going to be discussing a little bit later in the show, what we need to do is we need to approach it with calmness and sobriety, not with lighting our hair on fire. This is why I read from Psalm 56 at the top of the show. Our enemies are surrounding us. They're mocking us. They want to wage war with us. They want to attack us. And our response is, we trust in the Lord. What can mere flesh do to us? What's the worst our enemies can do if we trust in the Lord and if we believe in his goodness and in his sovereignty? So that's why we want to take a little bit of a closer look at Bill C-367. Now, before we get into the bill, which is actually very short and very simple, I think it's the simplest piece of legislation I've ever seen in my life. What we need to do first is spend a little bit of time in the Canadian Criminal Code, because this is where the bill is properly understood. We have to look at the Criminal Code to understand the bill and its implications. So Section 318 of the Criminal Code is under the heading Hate Propaganda. However, Section 319 is about promoting genocide. Sorry, Section 318 is about promoting genocide, which brings with it a maximum penalty of up to five years in prison if you promote genocide. That's 318. Now, 319, the very next section, covers public incitement of hatred, willful promotion of hatred, and willful promotion of anti-Semitism. This is section 319. So what I want to do is I want to read section 319, subsections 2 and 2.1. Both, by the way, currently have a maximum penalty of up to two years in prison. This is what the criminal code says. So section 319 Subsection 2 and 2.1. Everyone who, by communicating statements other than in private conversation, willfully promotes hatred against any identifiable group is guilty of an indictable offense and is liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding two years. This is 2.1. Everyone who, by communicating statements other than in private conversation, willfully promotes anti-Semitism by condoning, denying, or downplaying the Holocaust is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding two years. So those are the present punishments for the willful incitement of or the actual promotion of hate speech and anti-Semitism presently in the criminal code. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really important for context. Now, we have to understand subsections 3 and 3.1, which are within the exact same context of this, you know, uh, pronoun uh, in hate speech, or it's not pronoun, uh, 
hate speech indictment. Um, and this kind of offers an alleged defense for the violation or will pro- willful promotion of hatred and anti-Semitism, uh, so-called. So here is a subsection three, subpoint B, and subsection 3.1, subpoint uh, B as well, because this really helps frame uh, what is exactly uh, being done in Bill C-367. So subsection three, no person shall be convicted of an offense under subsection two, so willful hate speech, if B, if in good faith the person expressed or attempted to establish by an argument an opinion on a religious subject or any opinion based on a belief in a religious text. And this is from subsection 3.1. No person shall be convicted of an offense under subsection 2.1b if in good faith they expressed or attempted to establish by an argument an opinion on a religious subject or an opinion based on a belief in a religious tax. So with all that sorted out, now you've, you've you actually seen what the Criminal Code of Canada has to say about hate speech currently. Um, this is what Bill C-367 uh, uh, actually is about. And it's very short, as you said, very easy to understand, Andrew. And uh, this is the title of the bill, an act to amend the criminal code concerning the promotion of of hatred or anti-Semitism, and this is what it reads. His Majesty, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate and the House of Commons of Canada, enacts as follows. One, paragraph 319.3b of the Criminal Code is repealed, and two, paragraph 319.3.1b of the Act is repealed. So, the things that I just read to you, the carve-outs for having a sincere religious belief stating that fact, that then runs into the nonsense hate speech code of our government, can give you a defense and allow you to escape punishment under the act. That is what Bill C. 367 is intending to remove. So you can no longer appeal to deeply held religious conviction based off of religious text text for a defense of violation of the criminal code as it pertains to hate speech in Canada. So that's the framework that is being laid out. Um, They're keeping the established law, which I think is wrong-minded and dangerous, period. Hate speech is very ill-defined and very elusive um, and, you know, very... The way it's generally prosecuted is very sketchy and (laughs) everything. There's all sorts of issues, but... Now it's even more problematic because one of the defenses for the appeal um, is is taken, or a couple of the defenses anyway, are taken away. Um, and again, as you've talked about, Andrew, violations of this hate speech legislation that is enshrined in the Criminal Code of Canada um, 
can land you up to two years in prison. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've set the deck, we've, we've set the table. Um, that's what bill C three, six, seven actually does, um, as it pertains to the criminal code of Canada. And the concern, right, to put a finer point on it, the concern is that if you, as a as a Christian, engage in or supposedly promote what the state defines as hatred or the promotion of hatred, which we're going to see very quickly is, is problematic itself when we look at the Online Harms Act, but if you engage in what the state defines as hatred or the promotion of hatred, and you simply appeal to the Bible. You say, oh, this isn't me. This is what the scriptures say. This is what the, the word of God has said for thousands of years, right? And you could have just been quoting it. You could have just been quoting, a man shall not lie with a man as one does with a woman. This is an abomination, right? You're just quoting Leviticus 19. You could be put into prison for two years for simply doing that, if the state has determined that this is the promotion of hatred, which and we this have is seen concerned with, oh, of course, which, yeah. we, like there's precedent yeah. in Western law for this. Now we, I think we covered it a couple months ago. Thank the Lord. Um, the ex parliamentarian in Finland wasn't actually prosecuted of hate speech, um, mm -hmm. for standing under biblical convictions, but we see places like Finland for just quoting the scriptures, uh, as it pertains to LGBTQ rights and everything like that, um, it, people have w wound up being fined or jailed or with a threat, uh, at least, of prosecution for just standing on the plain exegesis of, of Scripture. That is... I'll stay here, by the way, before, before we go any further, just before I forget, because I don't, yeah. don't want to this, but if you want even a little bit more on not just Bill C-367, but a response to it from someone else serving in pastoral ministry, very much engaged in the culture wars and in the freedom fight. Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend you check out Pastor Aaron Rock's latest episode of the Leadership Now podcast titled, you know, it, Will Christianity Be Outlawed? And Aaron does a great job of not only talking about the bill, but its implications, but really it's the last 30 minutes of the episode where he basically says, where should we lay the blame for where we presently are at in Canada, legislatively, socially, culturally, where's the blame to be laid? And the last 30 minutes is it. I mean, basically he should have had about a hundred mics because he just kept dropping them. All the time. <laughs> It's just it's 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 very good to hear someone, right? Not, not some not some talking head, not someone who's merely theorizing what Christian ministry is, but mm -hmm. someone with almost thirty years in pastoral ministry, who you know he he showed his bona fides in the last four years. So I want to recommend you check that out as supplemental. Listen to this episode and then go listen to that, so that you can be adequately fired up to go. And uh, and take the culture for Christ, but uh, but yeah, that's that's Bill C three sixty seven. So we're a little more objective about it, but as we're going to see, this is like I said, this is just this is the garlic pan bread before the main <laughs> meal. The all you the all you can eat ribs of destruction. That that's the online harms act. This is the garlic pan bread with cheese. Now you're speaking my language. 
Now I'm speaking your language. Now, now I'm speak. Now I'm speaking I'm in tongues, and there's no, there's no need for interpretation. We understand these tongues. Yeah. This is definitely edifying to definitely. my appetite. So, yeah. um, if you're using Mailchimp, HubSpot, or Salesforce for email marketing, CRM, and sales, you probably know they've been canceling Voices of Freedom and Truth. That's why Liberty Coalition Canada has switched over to Sales Nexus. Sales Nexus is a complete business marketing and sales solution that won't tell you what you should say or believe. Try it yourself at salesnexus.com and get two users for the price of one with the promo code LIBERTY. I've been using Sales Nexus for a few months now after getting over the initial hump of learning new, learning new software and learning new platform. It is really intuitive. Bueno. It's much more customizable than some of these other options you have. Yeah, and I was in terms of being able to track that. It's very like I'm very pleased with Sales mm -hmm. Nexus, and it's really easy to use. It's just I I highlight on top of the fact that they're not going to cancel you if you say something unsavory. Mm -hmm. The yeah. simple fact that it is a superior platform should be enough. But the fact that these guys are willing to align themselves with us in support of what we do is all the more reason. So you might be saying, well, what what do I do? If you are, if you're at a church and you have a large email database of people, if you have a business, if you're any sort of organization, you're a Christian organization, doesn't matter, and you have lots of emails that you send out to people, you do lots of data tracking and data management, mm -hmm. this is for you. You need to yeah. go check out Sales Nexus and you need to support them so that they can ensure you're not going to be canceled. Yeah, I was I was like you've mainly been doing the emails lately but even in the little that I've worked in it I was so impressed with just how easy it was to use and it really stacks up against any of the major CRMs like people would be very familiar with like Mailchimp or anything like that. It's way yeah. way easier and obviously they're not like Vimeo, who cancels us for in one day for posting uh, one of our episodes. So um, it, it, it now more than ever, it's important to partner with brands like this and support them uh, because, yeah, I mean, despite what the Trudeau regime is going to tell you in this upcoming story and segment, um, big tech is not some sort of... Um, conservative beast that needs to be quelled that isn't trying to at every corner so long as they can do it legally um, <laughs> show partiality to specific groups of their ideological companions and also to quash and quell legitimate free speech at every turn. That, that like, just got you two years in prison. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> off the clink. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but nevertheless, Andrew. Um, so, like I said, like I said, and I want to use I want to mm -hmm. use very visceral illustrations here. If Bill C three sixty seven is the satanic starter on this progressive statist menu, then the Online Harms Act is the all you can eat demonic dinner, mm -hmm. and the meal, my friends, goes down very bitter and goes bad very very quickly so what is the online harms act you might be thinking because really it was announced in its final form just a few days ago right it just it just evolved into its final form right so this is the last evolution <laughs> yeah, of this progressive pokemon known yeah. as the online harms act it is here it is now and it is the long promised liberal bill 
It's aimed at, according to our current tyrants, protecting children from online harm. That's the euphemism. That's the veneer. Now, we... Uh, the audacity, we Andrew. We have to get deep into the weeds here, right? We have to take quite a bit of time at picking apart this legislation. Because when you see what this bill seeks to amend in the criminal code and in the Human Rights Act, you will see that this is yet another round in the liberals' gun aimed squarely at destroying the Western value of our rights and our freedoms, which is really just a proxy for Christians. Liberals hate Christ, and they hate his word, so they most certainly will hate his people. So let's let the Attorney General of Canada and Social Justice Minister Arif Arani set it up for us. This is his introduction. This is lifted right from the Liberal Party X page. Here's what he has to say about it. Profit cannot be prioritized over safety. Right now, it is too easy for social media companies to look the other way as hate and exploitation festers on their platforms. This bill will require platforms to do their part and to do better to keep people safe from harm and exploitation, especially our children. Failure to do so will have a price, significant monetary penalties. This legislation does not come out of a vacuum. All of us standing here today know that it is a result of years, literally years of hard work, research and consultation with stakeholders, with experts, with international partners and average Canadians who are concerned about the well-being of their families, their neighbours and their communities. The message that all of those people have sent to us is loud and it is unequivocal. Doing nothing is not an option. Andrew, before you start into it, I, I know I'm, I just, just I'm triggered. To, I'm so triggered, Matt. I'm I so triggered. I just have to interject. We we just covered the WEF. We just covered the mandate and the primary topic that was covered at the WEF. Does mm -hmm. Arif not sound exactly like a panelist for the W WEF? Stakeholders, international people. Yeah. yeah. And and it should be noted within the scheme of stakeholder capitalism and this framework that Klaus Schwab set up, stakeholders literally mean everyone. Therefore, they don't mean anyone except for the class of people that the grueling authorities wants to protect. Right. So our ideological uh, compatriots, that's who we're going to protect. Everybody mm -hmm. that does not fall within that, we are going to censor and destroy. That's cutting so, through the euphemism, as we so often do here. Yeah, and 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 speaking of cutting through the euphemism, I uh, there there are a few things that he said in that little introduction, in that clip that we <sighs> need to we need to clearly understand the rank hypocrisy. So the first thing he said right away was that profit cannot be prioritized. Over safety. Yeah. The framing is unbelievable. Right? Like just if your Un head's not unreal. spinning. So he says that except for experimental COVID injections, because their profit can be more important than safety. Or how about murdering preborn babies? Mm -hmm. That's where profit is prioritized over safety. Or how about doctor assisted murders and suicides? Mm -hmm. Or how about child genital mutilation and chemical castration? All of these things are 
wildly unsafe. Mm -hmm. and, and almost all of them will inevitably end in some sort of tragic death. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, I mean, the irony is just, I mean, this is gaslighting. This is disgusting. This is Orwellian doublespeak. Arif Varani, uh, shame on you. Shame on the entire liberal government that they can even get up there and say this with a straight face. He's like, we're going to protect especially the children and profit has to come or safety has to come before profit as we're trying to make it legal mm -hmm. and profitable for the medical industrial complex to profit off of genital mutilation and chemical Very castration of, of children. Like, dude, sit this one yeah. out. Farif. So he also said, he also said, hate and exploitation festers on social media platform platforms, which he says is wrong, except for when it's uh, it doesn't seem to be a problem when it's against Christians. Mm -hmm. Then it's totally fine. Let it fester. Let it fester all the more. The last thing he said was, keep people safe from harm, especially our children. Again, except for preborn children, who they would usher right into harm's way or gender-confused children. They want nothing more than to bring harm upon them. So the whole setup and the fact that it's so amazing that the Liberal Party social media platforms post that is like a win. It's like, look how awesome we are. Completely, completely lacking all self-awareness and objectivity. So yeah. before we get into the bill proper... We need to spend some time reading from the Government of Canada's website because they have their, we are pleased to announce, here's this new bill, everything's really great. So this was their news release on February 26th, just this past Monday. Quote, today, the Honorable Arif Irani, Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada, introduced Bill C-63, the Online Harms Act. The bill would create stronger online protection for children and better safeguard everyone in Canada from online hate and other types of harmful content. The bill sets out a new vision for safer and more inclusive online participation. It would hold online platforms, including live streaming and adult content services, accountable for the design choices made that led to the dissemination and amplification of harmful content on their platforms and ensure that platforms are employing mitigation strategies that reduce a user's exposure to harmful content. Now, before I read this last sentence, I want you to pay special attention to what the Canadian federal government is implying by this statement, because it's just buried in this press release. But this is this statement tells you everything you need to know about our present state and what they think their roles and responsibilities are. This is what they say for too long. So it's almost, it's been, it's been far too long. Now we have tolerated a system where online platforms have offloaded their responsibilities onto parents, expecting them, the parents to protect their kids from harms that platforms create or amplify this is the responsibility of parents, not the state. I mean, consider what they're saying here. Do you see what they're saying? They're saying that parents either are unable or it's simply not their responsibility to protect their kids from harms that platforms create or amplify. 
But that precise, that's, that's exactly what their responsibility is. That is are, the role of the parent. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to, they're, they're supposed to say either young son or daughter, you will not be on Facebook and you will not be on Twitter or you will not have unfettered internet access. Like I just, I, as, as a sidebar here, our oldest son is 11. He doesn't have a phone. He's not going to have a phone for years. He has a tablet which has so many locks and protections on it <laughs> that he only uses for schoolwork. He uses it for monkey math and monster words, and he's allowed, if he wants, to play Balloons Tower Defense 6 for one hour a week on Saturday morning. Like, the idea of giving children unfettered internet access is bananas. Yeah. But what's even more bananas is the state saying, parents... We should not expect you to protect your kids from harm harmful stuff online. The that's silly. We should the the it's it's our job. It's mm -hmm. our job to help protect your kids, not your job. Listen, feds, you need to back up. You need to back. You need to get out of my house now, because you are you are in very very dangerous territory. If you think that you have the authority over my children and it's your job to protect them and not me. But this is the government of Canada prides mm -hmm. itself on saying, yeah. this is our job. We're the dad now. We're the parent now. Yeah, this is Leviathan reaching its tentacles. Like, I mean, not even its tentacles. It's just taking up shop in your home now, right? It's assuming <laughs> essentially that last line is the state is the parent now. We are assuming right that up, direct 100%. role. We yep. are discipling your children. We are curating what they're watching because and what can't. they're not watching. Yeah. Because Either you, you're too you, incompetent you or... Yeah. 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 And this is, I mean, this is a tale as old as time, Andrew. Um, for safety, right? That's the justification. A totalitarian government is going to seek ultimate control of every sphere of say, human life. Say it, with an, say it with an 18th century French accent. As you talk about the safety, well, no, exactly. Safety that we're doing this. No, it, 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 exactly. It's a tale as old as, as time, and again, when we talk about sphere sovereignty, when we talk about these necessary roles of the different governments that God has established, it's not just hypothetical. It's not just philosophical. It's not an ethereal conversation. This is a real life conversation. Is if parents do not responsibly fulfill that role and be jealous for the jurisdiction that is there is like a like a i mean even even cops in a in a made for tv television show or whatever are more zealous for their authority and their jurisdiction than parents are for them if we're not saying hey stay back off get get out of this fear uh, this fear then we're going to lose everything and they're going to assume every role everywhere and the problem is is they have a monopolistic power on violence in society and listen the the sphere of the family is to be ruled by the shepherd staff to lead and to guide and correct it is not to be led by the power of the sword but the government the civil government only has sword power. So the second that you allow the civil government to assume the role of the parent 
the staff, which is there to lead and guide and beat back wolves and correct if need be sheep, it turns into a sword and all you can expect is violence in that relationship now. That is why sphere sovereignty, understanding the way that God's created these different governments to coordinate and interact with each other is not just a hypothetical situation. It's practical and it's necessary. And this is extraordinarily dangerous. But Andrew, the the website uh, goes on to say much more about the bill and uh, they they further tell us how they're going to accomplish the things that they seek to enact with this piece of legislation. And that's where we want to turn next. So this is straight from the website um, concerning the bill, and, and you can listen to their language. Um, creating and implementing a new legislative and regulatory framework through a new online harms act. So that's what the bill will do. This framework would mandate online platforms to adopt measures that reduce the risk of harm in seven specific categories of harmful con- content. Non-compliance could lead to strict penalties, a, a thing that Arif Varani said in a statement, uh, confirmed in the statement. Going on, requiring through the new Online Harms Act that service services provided clear and accessible ways to flag harmful content and block users, implement safety measures tailored for children, and implement other measures to reduce exposure to seven categories of harmful content, creating stronger laws to help protect all people in Canada from hatred on and offline by creating a definition of, quote, hatred in the criminal code. So pause. It must be noted, we actually have hate speech laws currently on the criminal code book, but yet apparently we don't have a sufficient definition of hatred. So they're going to do that supposedly you know as we've often said he who controls the dictionary controls <laughs> controls the law um we're going to see that uh, play out with this new framework but we'll I mean, also matt if i can jump in for a second there what yeah. we're going to see is that about 11 years ago under the harper government mm-hmm. they repealed section 13 from the human rights act which had all of the hate speech parts to it so the harper government repealed section 13 Mm -hmm. which has a lot to say about hate speech Mm -hmm. and one of the things that the online harms act seeks to do spoiler alert is reinstate section 13 which has actually not been a part of our criminal code or the the our human rights act for 11 years now they want to bring that back into being and mm-hmm. re-enshrine Section 13, yeah. which is a very strong, for them, a very robust hate speech mechanism in mm-hmm. our legal and legislative and, world. And that's part of the issue about conservatives not governing based off of principle and doing these half measures is they're illogical, um, and they kind of mm-hmm. leave you in a, a logical gray area where we have criminal 
decode penalties for hate speech in Canada, but not a sufficient definition. Yeah. Pull, um, pull, the, pull the gun out of the hands of the bad guy and just put it on the table and say, you can't have this anymore. I'm going to leave it here on the table and I'm not really going to take care of it, but I'll just leave it here and hope that I will always be sitting at the table and that you'll never come back to be yeah. able to take the gun to destroy me. That's, that's exactly, basically what they did. That's exactly what it, what it is, unfortunately. Obviously, the liberals are now back at the table in possession of that gun, and they're not afraid to use it uh, to their ends. So, I mean, we understand that it was repealed in the first place because the definition of hatred was so problematic, right? That that that's that's the reason. But again, as you're saying, they're trying to reinstate this problematic definition that obviously aligns with uh, their world and life view. Uh, finally, though, from the website, it says establishing a new digital safety commission. Oh, my word. Like, can you get more communist? It's unbelievable. To oversee and enforce the Online Harms Act regulatory framework and a new digital safety ombudsperson to act as a resource and advocate for the public interest with respect to systemic issues related to on line safety unbelievably orwellian they're going full 1984 you never go full 1984 but they are um but there's more to dig into believe it or not uh, let's begin with several of the purposes of the online harms act as stated by our government which which they are as follows so again this is always the predicate promote the online safety of persons in Canada, because you're not safe online. Uh, we need to, the government needs to intervene, keep you safe, protect you from harm, protect children's physical and mental health. So I think they're going to ban porn, right? <laughs> not likely. Anyways, uh, considering that exposure to harmful content online impacts the safety and well-being of persons in Canada, mitigate the risk that persons in Canada will be exposed to harmful content online while respecting their freedoms of expression. Not likely. Um, enable persons in Canada to participate fully in public discourse, unless if you have an opinion that we say is hateful um, and exercise their freedom of expression online without being hindered by harmful con content reduce harms caused to persons in canada as a result of harmful content so there you have it andrew uh, the justification the framework of how they're going to accomplish uh, accomplish this all and the purpose for why they're doing it um it's a tale as old as time, Andrew, but <laughs> when and those people words learn. that they use there, the words hatred and harmful content and harm will Bigotry actually we're going to look at the we're going to look at the definitions in a bit mm -hmm. because they just throw them out and assume them. But we actually have to see how they define them. And that is where we find the rub. So how is it that they uh, they plan on accomplishing all of this? Well, first of all, like you read, Matt. There will be the establishment of the Digital Safety Commission of Canada, which is just another bureaucracy full of unelected statists at taxpayer expense, essentially designed to further tyranny in Canada. So you might be wondering, well, what's the purpose of this commission? What is the mandate of the Digital Safety Commission of Canada? So this is right from the bill. Quote, the commission's mandate is to promote online safety in Canada and contribute to the reduction of harms caused to persons in Canada 
as a result, result of harmful content online, among other things, ensuring the administration and enforcement of this act, ensuring, the oper ensuring that operators are transparent and accountable with respect to their duties under this act, contributing to the development of standards with respect to online safety through research and educational activities, facilitating the participation of Indigenous peoples of Canada and interested persons in the Commission's activities. Naturally, th there has to be a special elevated right for them. Finally, collaborating with interested persons, including operators, the Commission's international counterparts, I don't know why it would matter what someone in another country has to do with us, uh, and other persons having professional, technical, or specialized knowledge, the experts. We're going to work with the experts. We're going to work with Indigenous people. We're going to do our best to squash your religious liberties is essentially the mandate behind the commission. Now, they're also going to be appointing a digital safety ombudsperson of Canada. This Now, this is the, this is the super high-ranking SS soldier type. So this isn't just the regular... Yeah. Commission. This is this this is this is the Commander General SS type of the Safety Commission. That's who the Digital <laughs> Ombudsperson of Canada is. In order to so part of the role is in order to support the Digital Safety Commission, and this person has their own special powers and abilities, such as quote gathering information with respect to issues related to online safety including with respect to harmful content, such as by obtaining the perspective of users of regulated services and victims of harmful content. Not Christians, though. They're not included in that victim category. Of course not. Highlighting issues related to online safety, including by making publicly available any information gathered, and direct users to resources, including those provided for under this act, that may address their concerns regarding harmful content content now you would think with the new digital safety commission of canada unbelievable and with the high the high ranking ss digital safety ombudsman of canada that that would be enough busybodies right no but you would be wrong you would be wrong because our elites love to grow the managerial nanny state so mm -hmm. we also have the new digital safety office of canada and what does this group do that's an excellent question Quote, the office's mandate is to support the commission and the ombudsperson in the fulfillment of their mandates, the exercise of their powers, and the performance of their duties and functions. Close quote. So basically, here are a whole lot of people that don't have any defined job, but allows us to grow the managerial state, increase our bureaucracy, put money in the pockets of our friends and people we like because we're all about nepotism, mm -hmm. continue to siphon money from taxpayers, and do all of this as a way of tamping down on real free speech and the squashing out of real religious freedoms and protections. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's how they're going to enforce this act. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. We'll reserve some of the comments that we have till the end of the implications, but we should probably look at some of the act's definitions just so everyone can see both how Orwellian <laughs> this act is and just how Gnostic it is in its vague subjective definitions, which is obviously 
the part of the point, right, uh, of this bill so they can capture all content that they do not approve of. So let's look at some of the language used in, in, this, uh, in this bill. Harmful content, according to the bill, means, among other things, content that includes a child to harm, uh, sorry, content that induces a child to harm themselves. I doubt that they would include, you know, taking puberty blockers that are chemically castrating you or having invasive irreversible surgeries that are cutting off healthy functioning body parts. I doubt that they would include that. Um, but I guess if, if the conservatives get into power, maybe they could include that under the, I don't know. Anyways, content used to bully a child, um, content that foments hatred, which they will define, obviously. Content that incites violence. Well, I mean... The incitation to violence is already a criminal offense. But anyways, content that incites violent extremism or terrorism, which I'm sure they will define as well. So how do they define hatred is the question that kind of undergirds this. And we've been alluding to it. So uh, we should really dig into that. And this is where obviously much of what is dangerous and scary about the act um, really comes to light. So the bill seeks to amend the criminal code by adding the following definition to section 319 of the criminal code regarding quote hate propaganda, which we read, which we read earlier. They want to define hatred for the sake of this criminal code as quote, the emotion that involves detestation or vilification. And that is stronger than disdain or dislike. Okay, not a very good definition, but let's go on. What other amendments are being made, you might ask, uh, to this? Well, Section 13 of the Human Rights Act, the hate speech provision, which was repealed again back in 2013, as Andrew was talking about, under the Harper government, that section will be reinstated under the Online, uh, Online Harms Act and the question is, what does this section, section 13, have to say about free speech? Well, I'll read it for you. Quote, it is a discriminatory practice to communicate or cause to be communicated hate speech by means of the Internet or any other means of telecommunication in a context in which the hate speech is likely to be uh, to foment detestation or vilification of an individual or group of individuals on the basis of a prohibited ground of discrimination. In this section, hate speech means the content of a communication that expresses detestation or vilification of an individual or group of individuals on the basis of a prohibited ground of discrimination. So kind of circular definitions there, but nonetheless very dangerous because... Also, well, there should be all these asterisks that say, unless you're a white male Christian. Well, exactly. I feel like that but, should be, they should have that asterisk at every, every, at the end of all of these paragraphs. But Andrew, that's how it will be legislated and that's how it will practically play out. But that would be too uh, transparent for them to actually write yeah, that in that's the law. Fair. That's yeah, fair. They, that's they fair. need to be more opaque than that. Um, but yeah. obviously what we're seeing here is even the standard, right? Um, 
we're seeing the standard isn't, you know, it's not direct calls for violence. It's not actually the direct incitement of violence on on somebody, which is, uh, you know, always been a part of um, the limits of freedom of speech. But um we're talking about anything that can cause to be communicate, or sorry, any communication or a cause for communication. So third party intermediary, like uh, rebel or, or sorry, rebel uh, rumble, stuff like that there, they might not be doing the hate speech themselves, but if they're facilitating it, they can come under the fine. Um, And it, uh, it, it's in the context of hate speech that doesn't just foment detestation or vilification so it's not but it could be reasonably likely assumed that it might right based off their definition so i mean they don't even need direct offenses of the law under the way that this is written to actually justify bringing the sword power of the state to bear on ideological enemies and the people who would you know dare promote freedom of speech like X, like Rumble, and like some of these other platforms. So very, very dangerous. The uh, definitions are vague. They're silly, um, Gnostic nonsense, as you um, put in the script, Andrew, and it's it's rightfully fr- fearful uh, of, should, of what, probably, what this is going to mean. We should yeah. probably get to everyone's favorite part, right? Oh, of the course. Prizes. <laughs> the prizes. What are yeah. What are the prizes that you get for being a very very naughty person okay what are what are the punishments and what are the penalties for failing to engage in newspeak and using words that big brother and the ministry of truth say are dangerous well first of all remember when we read from section 319 of the criminal code regarding the public and willful incitement of hatred and anti-semitism well if you remember if you're found guilty presently you could face up to a maximum of two years in prison. However, the Online Harms Act seeks to amend the penalty, increasing the maximum penalty for the public and willful incitement of hatred for up to five years in prison. But wait, there's more. Here are the astronomical fines for social media operators, which are the companies. A quote, Every operator that commits an offense is liable on conviction on indictment to a fine of not more than 8% of the operator's gross global revenue or $25 million, whichever is greater, or on summary conviction to a fine of not more than 7% of the operator's gross global revenue or $20 million, whichever is greater. So just if you, I I was chatting with my wife earlier about this. There is no reason why Facebook, who's already banned Canadians from sharing news content on their, on their profiles. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why Facebook wouldn't say, given that, why I guess this means we can no longer have Canadian users. Yeah. Well, and we're going to have to hyper police everyone's hate content. And if we don't, get a 20 million dollar fine yeah. they could just say fine no more canadians here which yeah they might they very well might say that and, and again we've already seen it the government doesn't actually think through the ramifications of their bills that's we've already seen this with the pushback from facebook and google where they just said okay you want to 
capture us and make us pay for the dissemination of news on our platforms, well, we're just going to ban Canadians from doing this. Mm-hmm. It must be understood that even with the censorious regime of a lot of these big tech companies working hand in glove with government, which is against you know free the the principles that underlie freedom of speech in a society, it's just disgusting. Even with that, there's still the possibility for the dissemination of any of the things that would be captured under this bill with just the kind of decentralized nature of these platforms to begin with. So how could Facebook leave themselves liable? How could any of these uh, parties leave themselves liable to potentially forwarding Mm -hmm. something that the government deems as hate fees at the the expense of 20 to 25 million dollars? Like, Mm-hmm. That's where Considering if you're Facebook, how many users does Facebook have a billion? Exactly. Right? Like how many and how many of those users are Canadian? Let's say half the population, just just, yeah. just a 20 yeah. million of yeah. a billion people. You think Facebook cares? You think they care if they say no more Canadian users? That no. doesn't hurt them at all. That's a drop in the bucket. Exactly, exactly. But realistically, yeah, it's in the best inter- interest of a lot of these online uh, platforms to say, well, sorry, Canada, you can't partake in this because lest we um, be roped into this insane uh, scheme that the government's going on, uh, if, if we fail to even miss something that we might not agree with ideologically, we could be liable. We, we can't afford to have Canadians taking part in our <laughs> online discussion. Lizard, lizard eyes. Mark Zuckerberg is not going to pay twenty million dollars because some rambunctious Italian says sodomy on his podcast. <laughs> yeah, like old old lizard eyes. Lizard eyes not going to pay twenty twenty five million dollars because I say transiency is in fact a mental illness. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it's going to be willing to make that so, trade off. So Andrew, <laughs> if you or I or any of our friends who would dare say such things on on a platform like this, if we were to run afoul of of this new bill, what what prizes would we win? We don't get the grand prize of of twenty or twenty five million dollars, but there there is still a fine. We still there's still some consolation prize for little old me, just regular old civilians. So the individual maximum fine on summary conviction is only fifty thousand dollars. So I I almost feel I almost feel cheated. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't even up the fine to six figures. You couldn't, you couldn't give me a $100,000 prize for being a hateful person. All I get is $50,000. So, but that's the prize. Now, what if, uh, what if I'm not, cause so this, this is, this is pretty, this is banana split bananas. Okay. What if I'm not convicted, but a, but a new panel appointed by someone says you still did a very bad thing. So you're not convicted, but you did a very bad thing in calling transiency a mental illness. Well, this is from the act. Quote, in order to cease the discriminatory practice and take measures in consultation with the commission on the general purposes of the measures to redress the practice or to prevent the same or a similar practice from occurring, 
and order to pay compensation of not more than $20,000 to any victim identified in the communication that constituted the discriminatory practice for any pain and suffering that the victim experienced as a result of that discriminatory practice. If that person created or developed in whole or in part, the hate speech to which the complaint relates. So I, I make the hate speech. Someone says, Oh, uh, you deny my existence because I'm severely unwell and I've given into my own sinfulness. I, I'll have to pay a fine of $20,000. Now that's not it though. Cause the government, the state's got to get their share. Of course, an order to pay a penalty of not more than $50,000 to the receiver general. So the receiver general, by the way, is like a gigantic funnel and Canadians are held over top of the receiver general and just they're, they're, they're shaken violently until money falls out of them into the receiver general. So $50,000 to the receiver general, if the member or panel considers it appropriate, having regard to the nature, circumstances, extent, and gravity of the discriminatory practice, the willfulness or intent of that person any prior discriminatory practices that that person has engaged in and that person's ability to pay the penalty. So in the case of me, um, the, the extent and the gravity of the discriminatory practice is huge. I mean, it's like Jupiter sized gravity, the sort of stuff <laughs> that I would say. I mean, we're talking black. I, I'm a black hole of hatred in the mm -hmm. eyes of the federal government. So, so that's there. Um, the willfulness or intent. Yeah. Pretty, it's I'm intentional. There's, I, I want to say it. That's yeah. true. Um, the the regard to the nature of circumstances. Okay, now I don't have I don't have the ability to pay, but they they don't care about that. I'm mm -hmm. sure they're not they're not, they're not going to mind too much about that. So that's well, that's and, that. Andrew, it should just be noted. Sorry, fifty thousand dollar um, penalty, up to twenty thousand dollars of a fine if the individual says you hurt my feelings, and then up to another fifty thousand dollar fine to the receiver general. So, I mean, it could be one individual infraction mm -hmm. could cost me, a person upwards of $120,000 once everyone takes their pound of flesh. Yeah. And it should be noted again, just so everybody knows, this is if, even if you're not convicted of the fine, should a panel um, of, I guess, super judges, <laughs> essentially. Online safety inquisitors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's still, I think that's how the bill terms yeah, calls them. Well, I mean, that would be, that would actually be appropriate um, and truthful. Um, should they deem that you, you do this, even if they don't actually have the legal uh, ability to prove, prove your, your, um, uh, you're guilty in this case, you still can have thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars levied against you um, by the power of the state under this bill. So mm -hmm. that is that. That's that's what we have coming down the pike, Andrew. Um, and uh, we have lots to say about it. Yep. So before we do, what we need to assert is that now is not the time, now especially is not the time to sit idly by and hope that our power-driven systems will resolve themselves. Not after years of heartache, loss, and despair. Our families deserve better. Our communities deserve better. Our nation deserves better. We don't expect the government to fix our financial future, so we create our own economy. Barterit is a community of people who are passionate about shopping local, freedom of choice, and free speech, 
while creating new pathways for a true parallel economy. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com today and click on Barter It for Individuals. That's going to be the box on your left. Make sure to sign up as a VIP before the official launch, and you will get a lifetime subscription, free premium listings, and 1,000 bits to spend in the system. That is $1,500 worth of value for only $197. LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter. By the way, make sure you go sign up today because that $197 you might not have after they take $50,000 from you for saying that a man pretending to be a woman is actually a man. So go do that now before they take it away and give it to the victim who was triggered because all you did was say what is scientifically and demonstrably true. Welcome to Canada. Welcome to Canada. Uh, well, um, Andrew, we do have a lot to say, um, but still, we, we want to kind of look at some of the response that is out there before we get specifically into our response. So um, first, we should play a brief exchange between the Attorney General and the Justice Minister, Arif social Arani. Justice, social, social Justice Minister. Oh, sorry. I, I, for, yeah. I forgot to get that edit. Arif Arani, uh, um and a member of the the press. Uh, I think it's, it's illuminating, so check this clip out. Yeah, on, the, on that hate crime offence, if you could just um, clarify, I mean, it comes with a potential uh, penalty of, a, of life imprisonment. Could you just clarify for us how that would work? I mean, what kind of offences do you envisage could carry that kind of offence? And are you saying that it's no longer an aggravating factor, that it could be a standalone offence? Um, but could you give us some examples of that? Okay, so in terms of the second part of your question, we're not eliminating the aggravating factor. Right. But what we are doing, it's a little bit easier for me in English, uh, is we, what we are doing is creating a freestanding hate crimes offence, which touches any p possible delict or crime under the Criminal Code of Canada. And I think what is important about it is that it gives uh, the police and it gives prosecutors more flexibility in terms of contemplating this aspect on the front end of their deliberative exercise, on the front end of how they will conduct their prosecutions. Very importantly, this does not require AG consent. The other hate crimes components, promoting genocide, uh, a willful promotion of hatred, things like uh, uh, the anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial offense, require the Attorney General's consent, as does the peace bond that I just mentioned. This provision is something that can be laid by, uh, uh, by a, 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 it can be initiated on an arrest warrant by a police officer and continued by the Crown, absent the consent of me or a provincial, Crown, provincial Attorney General. That is very, very important in terms of giving more tools to law enforcement, but secondly, it's important for denouncing what we are seeing right now. And that is critical. Everything you've just heard from people like Carla, everything that I have heard over the last year is that hate is on the rise in this country. We need to be providing more tools, not less, to denounce the hatred that we are seeing. And this will do exactly that. So there you so go. If you want, so so just, to, just to quickly um, unpack what the tools mm -hmm. are before we move on into some other things. So the tools, the tools mm -hmm. yeah. that, uh, that are being offered here. Are and he other than Arif Ferrani, right? Uh, yeah, the tools yes. other than uh, right. other than that tool, right? <laughs> and then everyone else in Parliament right now. Uh, what he's referring to is what the Online Harms Act determines as at what happens if you advocate genocide. So, and like, sit down for this. 
every person who advocates or promotes genocide is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for life. Whoa. For life. Andrew, now, my it, first thought is that means that all of these pro-Hamas protesters that are calling for the eradication of Jews, they're all going to be thrown in prison for life, right? <laughs> not likely. Wrong. Actually, That's not actually, Andrew, the opposite's going to happen, right? Because what is the narrative coming from that side? Well, mm -hmm. Israel's engaged presently in a genocide mm -hmm. of Palestinian people. Therefore, if you support Israel, how could it not be that you're mm -hmm. advocating for the genocide of a protected people based yep. off of immutable characteristics like na nationality, race, etc. Therefore, you could be liable to life in prison. Now, you might be saying, but I, I would never, I would never promote or advocate genocide, so I'm safe. Um, maybe not, because a little bit further in the Online Harms Act, we read this under the title hate crime subtitle offense motivated by hatred and if you remember hatred is defined as a very very angry emotion yeah that's how they define hatred a very <laughs> angry emotion so yeah. this check check this out everyone who commits an offense under this act or any other act of parliament if the commission of the offense is motivated by hatred based on race, except if you're white, national or ethnic origin, except if it's European, language, except if it's English, color, except if it's white or peachy or olive, in my particular case, religion, <laughs> except if it's olive. Christian, sex, except if it's male, age, I guess everyone can, can go there, mental or physical disability, sexual orientation, unless it's anything other than sodomy, or gender identity or expression, except for, again, normal, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to brrr, imprisonment for life. Woo! These are the prizes. By the way, the only reason we're being comical about this is because uh, my wife and I were joking. We were, we were driving home the other day, and she said, do I just have to get ready for the fact that you'll probably be getting arrested? And I'm like, oh, sweetie, don't worry. She's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I'm being serious. Am mm -hmm. I going to have to just get ready for this? And I said, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we got to be ready for this because the, the vagueness of this. Yeah. If you, your, whatever your offense is motivated by hate as they define it. So if in their definition, hatred of a trans person is telling a self-professing trans person, you're a man, not a woman. And if that's motivated by hate, you might go to jail for life. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I don't even think you have to go that far. Like, just not using the preferred pronouns in an appropriate way. I mean, why would that not be considered hate speech and liable to life in prison? And notice, too, like, don't leave out the fact, Andrew, that he's lowering the bar of the implementation of these things, right? Instead of this half the come from the top down in specific overt cases um, 
that hate hate is being considered in a crime that actually took place he's actually creating a standalone offense just for hate hate speech Mm -hmm. um and he's also lowering the bar to how that has to do instead of it coming from the top down as an ag of uh, the federal ag like he himself or a provincial ag instead of them initiating the hate speech um, act against the specific person it is left in the hands of law enforcement and left up to the interpretation of individual law enforcers so now and they've, and they've proved themselves to be trustworthy men and women of integrity that will <laughs> if they need to disobey lawless orders i mean across yes. the country right yes that's we've what we seen know that true about law enforcement of course no, and but notice, no, <laughs> notice, notice. We talk about entryism. Can someone please isolate that so that we can, so that, so that I can have that as a yeah, whenever someone um, texts me or just yeah. just that sound effects in the picture. Uh, Anyways, okay. I mean, uh, but it, we're 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 laughing, but this has, I mean, serious implications. <laughs> this these two these two bills taken together are the final death knells in the coffin of freedom of speech in Canada and and frankly freedom of and, thought and that would be that would be enough on its own mm-hmm. if you didn't on top of this have bill C4 oh yeah if you didn't have the online streaming act the online <laughs> telecommute like all this stuff you just keep piling this stuff over and over and it's almost what it looks like is it looks like the setup it looks like mm-hmm. it looks like you're 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 basically lining everything up. It's those it's those videos where people have these these um I can't remember what the name of the the thing is called where you construct this very intricate uh, series of like you have a marble and it goes through tubes yeah, and yeah. around the thing and it flips and it jumps whatever mm-hmm. there's a technical name for it. But what you do is you don't just you don't just make it happen. You have to work step by step. First we're going to make it do this and then this and then this and then eventually when you're ready to go. You drop the marble, it goes through the course, it triggers the basketball, the toaster pops up the thing, the paint can, all of a sudden, da-da, and you get to the mm-hmm. end, like, ha you're in jail for the rest of your life. That's basically what's going on here. Let's set it all up so that we can just toss Christians in jail because they keep saying all the stuff that we don't like. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like a play leading up to oh, all of us uh, I going mean, to jail. Uh, of course. Like, I mean... Outside of, I mean, this would be unprecedented. If this were these bills were to go past, this would be totally unprecedented in the history of Western civil, modern Western civilization as we know it. Um, Canada would ostensibly be China, right, um, as it pertains to the dissemination of information and freedom of speech. It's disgusting. Um, before we get into some of our concluding comments, because we do have to land the plane eventually, we did want to highlight some excellent responses. That Although we do want to stay in the air as long as possible, because once we come back to the ground, we'll be arrested for hate speech. So <laughs> as long as we're true. up in the air, we're, but, in, we're, in, we're, in, we're, in, we're in free territory where yeah, they can't so come. Arrested. I was going to say, I think we're pulling a WEF where we're outside of the jurisdiction of any nation by just flying around in our private jets. So we're, we're going to take a play. We're going to be as as uh, shrewd as serpents <laughs> in in this respect as shrewd okay. as snakes on a plane uh, yeah. whoa oh, okay. i went oh, there no. oh, i no. went there oh no I know. okay 
Anyways, some of the excellent responses we want to highlight for you. So this uh, comes to us from True North News. Quote, civil liberties groups had already taken issue with the initial 2021 proposal, uh, Bill C-36, which included a provision that online platforms had more, no more than 24 hours to remove content deemed to be harmful. Uh, counsel for the Canadian Constitution Foundation, Joshua Dehas, said... Anything that resembles Bill C-36 will lead to all kinds of legal challenges. Quote, it would not be constitutional to do something that that extreme, to have $20,000 fines for things that you say on the Internet that somebody finds offensive, said Dehas. Um, if they go with 24-hour takedowns, that is just going to lead Facebook and other Internet service providers to take down anything that could put them at all at risk or make them liable. So that would be a huge free speech issue too, that we would have to try and attack part of me. The other concern I have is that companies like Facebook might just leave Canada. We've, we've already said that said Dijas right now you have similar legislation in your, in the European union. And they're telling Twitter all the time, if you do not comply with our requirements and get rid of what we consider misinformation, then we might kick Twitter out of Europe. Canada is a lot smaller and tw Twitter probably cares a lot less. So those are the the implications that again our idiots in government are probably not thinking through because um, we've already seen this this sort of thing happen. Um, but that is a definite concern. Um, obviously, with this legislation, is that all these platforms will just say, "Well, Canada, you are the smallest fish in a large bucket, and we don't care, and we're not going to put our make ourselves liable to multiple millions of dollars fines. So we're just getting rid of you altogether." Yeah, there was another really good piece from the National Post, which, again, we've linked. You should go read it. This is what the Post writes, quote, As much as the Liberals want everyone to believe that their proposed Online Harms Act is, a, is focused almost exclusively on protecting children from predators, and that, as Justice Minister Arif Arani said, it does not undermine freedom of speech, that simply isn't true. While the legislation tabled Monday could have been much worse, it mercifully avoids regulating misinformation. It opens up new avenues to censor political speech. Under the bill, condemning the Hamas massacre of 1,200 people on October 7th could, under some circumstances, be considered hate speech and therefore subject to a human rights complaint with up to $50,000 in penalties. It is distressingly easy to imagine scenarios where everyday political speech finds itself under the purview of the Canadian Human Rights Commission. Criticizing Hamas and the murderous ideology that motivates it could, to some, be seen as likely to foment detestation or vilification against a group, especially if the condemnation of Hamas notes that Palestinians generally support the terrorist group or that Hamas is driven by religious fanaticism. However, even though the government is using language from the Supreme Court to define hate speech, the difference between detestation, hate speech, and disdain or dislike, not hate speech, are hardly easy or obvious distinctions 
even for lawyers. That's an excellent point. They come down to the subjective opinions of, first, those filing the complaints, and second, government bureaucrats tasked with deciding whether such complaints are valid enough to be subjected to a full inquiry. Ask yourself, what's the difference between detestation and disdain? Elsewhere in the Online Harms Act, hatred is defined as an emotion, further demonstrating just how subjective the regulation of speech is. Essentially, the government is aiming to censor speech that could cause people to feel negative emotions toward other people. This ought to be scandalous, even among the government's supporters, but the liberals stopped being liberal long ago, close quote. Excellent assessment of the bill and its dangers. Yeah. And again, I would recommend reading that piece at the National Post. I think they hit the nail on the head. They also talk in detail at the beginning of the piece about the reenacting of Section 13, which was repealed. It's a very, very good piece. I would go and, and check that out. So that's, I mean, other than other than some of the additional fluff that isn't particularly important that's the those are those are the the most important bits of the online online harms act the definition the purpose mm -hmm. the different commissions and bureaucracies are creating the penalties the goals you know that's that's the online harms act and and you know like you said matt on the heels of all this other stuff piling up together the the trajectory is not more freedom, more rights, and more protections for a particular group or class of Canadians. It looks like less freedoms and less protections specifically for the white, Christian, straight, able-bodied, male, those, and anyone who, anyone who kind of aligns themselves with mm -hmm. that wicked oppressor class that's victimizing everyone those are the ones who will find themselves on the business end of the government gun more and more as these these pieces of legislation are put forth and you know seemingly become law eventually yeah um so i just want to highlight for people so this is a a, a message that i received from from vimeo uh, we, for the beachhead, we were trying to find a platform that would serve uh, as the server for um, the dissemination of our podcasts to the application, um, the beachhead media. Um, so after looking at a lot, we, we went with Vimeo. Uh, I posted three episodes, our three latest episodes, um, to the platform. And one day later, this is what came back to me. Your video Alberta trans ban, the good, the bad, and the ugly, has been removed for violating our guidelines. Reason, we do not permit content that aims to terrorize, express prejudice, and condemn towards, humiliate, degrade, abuse, threaten, ridicule, or demean an individual or group of individuals based on person's characteristics of that individual or group, including race, ethnicity, gender, national origin, religion, sexual orientation, disability, whatnot. This is the same thing, although it was mm -hmm. pertaining to COVID, although YouTube has something very similar to this now that has got us canceled and deplatformed for Vimeo. This is the 
type of behavior that would most certainly <laughs> fall within our government's definition of hate speech. So, what well, if we had a video? If we, if we had a video that said Christians are a bunch of racist, hateful Nazi uh, fundamentalists that should all be arrested and beaten, I highly doubt Vimeo would have pulled that video down and sent you that note. Just a guess. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. Ex exactly. And that's I. W I felt I wanted to bring it up because this illustrates exactly the type of behavior that the Trudeau regime is trying to instill on online platforms um, right now. Because well, Vimeo uh, doesn't want to pay $20 million. No, no exactly. Right We're going to go along with it. Right now, I can humiliate Vimeo. I can make fun of them. We can have a spicy interchange. I can post on Twitter about how they hate. They clearly hate freedom of speech, freedom of thought, diversity of opinion, and it's a, a, a platform that is demonstrably unsafe for anybody who will not read by the three by five card of acceptable opinions. Um, but then I can go to an alternative, but should these bills pass in Canada, that would not be a possibility because right. places like rumble places like um, Twitter, they would all fall into this um, regime under this this criminal code, and they would all be liable to mass amounts of fines if they didn't amend their regulations to fit within the regulations of the criminal code of Canada. So, and it seems that that's who they're going for because YouTube yes. plays along, Facebook plays along, all these places play along, and so mm -hmm. you find that people who are espousing these hateful. Uh, unacceptable views have gone to platforms where they now have a voice and these platforms are not just going quietly into the night now rumble's not nearly as big as youtube is no but it's growing and twitter is not nearly as big as facebook is but it is growing quite a bit and so here you have these people who are looking for places where they can say what they want to say without threat of punishment and it almost seems in a kind of petty vindictive manner Mm -hmm. Our federal government, in part, maybe not in, in whole, but in part, is saying we want to find every corner mm -hmm. where these slimy free speech people are well, finding Andrew, an opportunity to say something online. And we want to make sure that they don't have a square inch of space to say what they want online. So we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to take dominion over the entire internet and we're going to claim it all for Satan and make sure that no Christian. No conservative has an opportunity to say anything anywhere online. It feels like there's an element of that in this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. it and just just think about how corporatistic this is and um, how corporatists love, like how big business loves to work in cahoots with government, which if you know the history of monopolies, monopolies were grants exclusively given by government. They weren't a very successful business taking up a lot of market share. They were exclusive grants given by government to specific industries that they could get rid of all competition. Well, if for players like Facebook and Vimeo and YouTube and all these platforms that are com com competitors with uh, Twitter and the likes and rumble and stuff like that. Well, this is extraordinarily beneficial for them because, hey, maybe they can get rid of our competition in a market. 
right? Mm -hmm. Maybe this bill passes and all of a sudden we'll go along with it because ideologically we're aligned with the government. Um, And then all of a sudden, yeah, Rumble's taken off the spot. We have sole exclusive power over this jurisdiction. We're ostensibly given uh, a monopoly um, in in the dissemination of, of media on the internet. And guess what? The, the very thing that has allowed for competitors to come up and challenge us in the space, in the space has been taken off the table because now free speech platforms are totally mm-hmm. criminalized in Canada. So we have absolute power to control a monopoly in this, in this market. Should they Deem the the liability of some somebody posting hate speech okay. on their platform remotely possible, um, and and they deem that that was okay. Um, yeah, I mean, very, 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 very um, important. Um, it's very. This discussion is extraordinarily important, and I see these two legislation with all the things that preceded it, as you mentioned, being the final death knell in the coffin of free speech in Canada. And that's not being so hyperbolic. It's, it's not being hyperbolic. There's, there's, there's going to be much to say about this in the days ahead. I think mm-hmm. that this has been tabled, which means it still has to be debated. It needs to be voted on. It needs to move through the House and the Senate. There's much to say. So for the purposes of our episode today, I want to try to offer some encouragement and some comfort in the midst of this. And I'll frame this by saying, uh, last week I was actually invited on to the Dominion podcast to chat with Alex and Jeremy about Bill C-367. We had a lot of fun. I'd recommend, by the way, go, if you want to check out that episode, uh, the Dominion podcast, you can hit their sub stack there on YouTube. We had a really great conversation. At one point, Alex had, had kind of drawn out that historically, whenever tyrannical states have tried to tamp down on the word of God, it never has the desired effect from the position of the state. And so people are worried about all of this. People are concerned, what does this mean? What does this mean for my speech? What does this mean? Am I going to jail? Am I paying fines? Am I not going to be allowed to say this? What does this mean for my safety and my well-being? And I want to say two things. One, I cannot promise you, and anyone who does is foolish, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. You're not going to have to suffer and pay a cost for us for this. I can't promise you that. I'm just going to be straight with you. I cannot say to you, don't worry, everything will sort itself out. Just vote for the conservative party. Everything will be fine. No, no, no. That's not the case at all. The reality is many of us, especially probably those of us with platforms who are more public, who, who, who have a history of being outspoken and have this stuff on the record, especially for us, there is a high likelihood that in the not too distant future, we will have to suffer a measure of punishment for our convictions and our speech, whether that's fines, whether that's imprisonment. It almost certainly is the case that that will be coming for Christians in this country, whether that's pastors, politicians, homeschool moms, it, it, it's, it's coming for us. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That is on the way, and we need to be ready, like I said with Alex and Jeremy. We just have to be resolved that my obedience to Christ will make me set my face like flint, as it says in Isaiah. I will not turn to the right or the left, but I will commit myself to obedience and to the glory of God, whatever the cost. Then I'm going to take up my cross, follow him, put my hand to the plow, not look back, 
because that's the only way I will be worthy of being a disciple of Christ, if I'm willing to forsake everything and everyone else for the glory of my king. So we just have to get over the fact that we are past the, this thing can turn around and it can still be easy for us. That's over, mm -hmm. friends. Get ready for the fact that it is going to be difficult, to which you might be thinking, well, that's not really comforting, Andrew. Well, here's the comforting bit. The comforting bit, like Alex brought up, is that every time in history a tyrannical state has desired to squash free speech and tamp out the gospel and the word of God, the opposite happens. In the first century, when Rome tried to squash the church, what did we see? The gospel mm. produced fruit, the church exploded in terms of growth, and eventually, after three centuries, the Christian influence took over the Roman Empire, and then we saw a net benefit effect upon the people. During the Reformation, mm -hmm. what happened, the Counter-Reformation, when men were brought and burned alive at the stake for translating the Bible into the vernacular, and for communicating the word of God to people who were lost, what happened? As they were proclaiming the gospel while being burned alive, people were saved. The mm. word of God and reformation spread throughout Europe, which was a tremendous blessing. And for, for all of us, what happened during the time of the Puritans, when they were forced to f flee, when in England especially, you had ministers who were defrocked and you had I mean, Bloody Mary killed thousands of pastors. Imagine thousands of churches losing mm -hmm. their faithful shepherds in an instant. But what happened? What happened was the gospel continued to grow out. Reformation continued to work itself out. The Puritans come to North America, faithful ones stay. And then we have the expansion of God's kingdom and the, the building of his church still. So this mm -hmm. is the encouragement. The encouragement is, like the scriptures say, our lives are like grass that mm -hmm. springs up in the morning and is gone by mid-morning. Mm -hmm. 70, 80, 90 years at the most, is but it's, it's a whisper. It's a vapor in the scope of eternity. So we can't be concerned about what about my life is the be-all, end-all. But here's the comfort. Mm -hmm. If we commit ourselves to the glory of God and to the proclamation of truth, regardless of the cost, regardless of the penalties, we say what is true and we proclaim the word of God because it's powerful and it will transform lives. The Lord will use that to save people, to build his church, to advance his kingdom, and we'll be able to be a part of something glorious, hand off a strong church to our kids and our grandkids, and by God's grace we'll rejoice in heaven someday at what he allowed us to be a part of. We cannot let the weightiness of the cost... Mm -hmm. overshadow the weightiness of the obedience. Christ is worth it. The cost is worth it. This is why he says, whoever would seek to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the comfort. Christ yeah. will give us peace, strength, and joy. He will equip us to do all that is required to do. And even if we pay a cost, if it's for the glory of God, and for the good of his church, we can be a part of his purposes here on this earth. It will be for our good and for the good of our children. He is worth it. Be faithful. Take heart, friend. Christ will give us all the duties commanded us to do. We cannot be silent. And we cannot take this glorious gospel that he's given us, proclaiming truth in all ways and in all areas, 
and bury it under the ground because mm -hmm. we're afraid of what's going to happen. We do not want to be that unfaithful servant. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Good word, brother. I think that's a great way to end it off. And um, just so people understand, uh, we're not speaking hyperbolically when we say that people who are enslaved to sin cannot live freely. So when we call for reformation or revival, it has to begin through free people freely submitting themselves to the yoke of Christ. And it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Till next time. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.